Welcome to the Deconstructed Woman Podcast, a podcast about breaking down barriers between women, exploring and sharing perspectives of each individual woman's experience, and discovering what we have in common and what makes us different. Hosted by Elisa Marie and Joji. Welcome back to the Deconstructed Woman podcast with Alyssa Marie and Joji. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that is the self-conflicted condition of struggling with letting go. Uh, The things that we just keep worrying about and obsessing about, and when when are we able to say goodbye and let it stay in the past? So this is sort of today's conversation. And I think that this is something that is relevant for us every year. I think women, particularly, I think, do feel a lot more of the regret and inability to let go. I think personally more so than men do, but I'm sure that it does affect men as well, um, just given the nature of this kind of very normal reaction and things like that. Um, I was talking to Alyssa about this topic and sort of talking about the fact that as I was reading this article, um, it's actually a blog article in um, by Mark and Angel, and it's called Hack Life. And the name of the article is 10 Things We Often Wait Too Long to Let Go of in Life. And um, it had a lot of comments because I think it's really relevant to most of us. And they just start talking about the fact that, you know, letting go is not giving up. And so they make a distinction between um, letting go of something in sort of a surrender form and not giving up like it is like finding blame with ourselves for not being able to let it go. So being able to understand the difference between surrender and um, just throwing your hands up and giving up. And I, and I too, see them as two separate things. Um, and I think we'll get into that a little bit. Um, Alyssa, how do you feel about the letting go versus giving up, surrender, some of those conversations? Well, I think that we originally were talking about like decluttering because I have said in, in some past episodes, like that's something that um, that I'm really just focused on right now. But it, I think that there's some parallels to, you know, when we can't control everything else, like getting rid of material items feels like it just feels better to me. Um, so I, I think that, you know, it's um, literal, but also figurative in that, you know, I think that sometimes we just feel so burdened by the things that we're thinking, the things that we're doing. And so I I think that it's this is a good time of year as we're kind of getting into um, the springtime and uh, renewals and things like that to kind of look at like what heavy things are we carrying with us? What kind of things do we need to essentially let go of uh, expectations? Um, And as you were going through them before we got on, I was like, oh, like checking off in my head like yep that 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 uh so I, I think that it's um like you said it's relevant to all people but i think that it's a good time to kind of reflect on that and, and realize that whether it's physical things or emotional things letting things go and kind of putting them behind you can be beneficial in so many ways absolutely and as as Alyssa and i were preparing for this talk uh as we were looking at all the 10 things that are mentioned in this article, we thought, boy, this might not be uh, accomplished in one episode. So this might be a two-parter, a maybe even a three-parter, depending on how long does these each one of these things uh, takes to review and get our input on. So uh, forgive us listeners if we don't finish all 10 of them today. 
So starting with that, uh, the first one is the expectation of how things should, in quotation marks, be. And I think this is a very challenging one um, for me, for sure, uh, because I think there is that should be the shoulds that they tell us to stop thinking about and what is. And so there definitely is, um, especially I think for young girls, this fantasy of what things should be like for them, like this fairy tale of what life and how it unfolds. And I think the reality of making your own life and putting your fingerprints on it and making it your authentic experience can be two very, very different things because um, real life is not a fairy tale, right? And so that's sort of my thought about that. What do you think about that, Alyssa? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's... I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is like how marriage should be, how parenthood should be, like all the things that I, you know, I'm kind of in right now. But I, I think that, again, it's those expectations of like how it should be. And I think that there's this, um, you know, unfortunate uh, kind of uh, I, I'm thinking about because I'm just I'm in worldwide marriage encounter. And so we talk about that um, in one of our presentations I was just writing the other day. Uh, so it's kind of in my mind because we're talking about how, you know, you have these expectations of what you think marriage is going to be. And then when you fall short of that, all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, why, why, you know, is my marriage broken or is there something wrong with me or all the thoughts that come into that. So that's, like I said, I'm just writing that talk. So it's very fresh in my mind. Um, but I think that there's also, you know, that it can apply to so many things like as we're coming out of college, what we think working in the workforce should be. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of the younger generations who are coming out of college or coming out of high school and thinking that life is going to be a certain way. And they're like, adulting is hard. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it is hard. And there's so many balls you have to juggle. And and so I think that that applies in, a, in literally any phase of life because you always have these expectations of what things are going to be like. And when they fall short, there's kind of this disappointment and like, what did I do wrong? Right. And I agree with you. When you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, college versus my first job. Like when you're taking college classes and and you you're picking um, an area to focus on, you think that what you study is going to be like what your job is going to be doing. And, you know, I think rarely do you have a job that really personifies the classes you took. And sometimes there's this big disconnect between what you th thought you were going to go to a job and do based on the coursework and what you're actually doing. And so there's no surprise sometimes that, you know, a large majority of people end up doing something completely different, whether in a different industry um, or altogether a different course of work than what they studied, because sometimes the sort of the um, conceptual ideas of what your courses are going to be like and how do they translate into real work is really two totally different things. And so that, I think, explains why so many people actually don't end up working in their um, major um, or what their degree is in because it doesn't translate the way that they think. And it could be just our own impression of what we think it's going to be like, but uh, definitely depending on the environment and the company you work for, the people that you're servicing, people that are your coworkers, who your managers are. There's so many factors that can really change the experience, you know, of, you know, not only your schoolwork, but also your, your real life. And so um, if we're done with that one, 
we can go to another really good one that uh, they talk about, which is number two, the, the way things once were. And so this really speaks to the developmental long-term sort of feeling of something and the way it was at one time and how it has progressed through time. I'm going to shoot this one over to you, Alyssa, for you to set the tone for this conversation. Yeah, and this this uh this hits hard because I just had that experience this past Christmas and my sister and I were just talking about it just a couple days ago because um so our struggle um as my family has gotten bigger, uh we decided for Christmas this year to get a hotel. Um and so in years past, like my sister and I have always been like we have Christmas at my parents' house. Uh and our husbands come along and our kids come along and so we've always always stayed at my parents' house, so we wake up Christmas morning all together. Um, but now I have four kids, and it gets a little chaotic, and we need kind of our own space to kind of regroup, um, you know, throughout the weekend that we were home. And so on Christmas Eve, we were talking about, you know, what the plan was for the next day. And I just burst out in tears because I realized, like, my sister lives close to my parents, so she was going to stay at her home. And we are going to go back to the hotel. And so we're trying to figure out what time we would go get to my parents' house and have Christmas morning. Uh, and, you know, I think for a lot of people, as you kind of get older, those old older traditions of just you thought they would always be like that um, hits home because you realize, well, no, you know, we're going to get older and eventually our parents aren't going to be here and, and things are going to change. And so I think that was that's my example of like what what things once were, um, and it turned out to be okay. It just wasn't the same, and and that was that was hard for me um, to really accept that I'm now almost in my forties, and you know things are going to be a little bit different each Christmas. And Christmas is a very significant time for my family. Like that's when we all come together, and um, we used to like all you know, go to my parents' house and be there for four days straight with like nobody leaving and going anywhere. And now we're all kind of in separate places. And eventually we'll probably have Christmas at home. Um, and, and I talked to a lot of people about like, what do they do? And they're like, yeah, we have Christmas on our own. And I was like, oh, you know, that's such a, a different mentality from what was once uh, our family tradition. Yeah. And your your story actually speaks to the heart of what they're talking about in this, which is that, you know, we could we we could stay in that place of how things were if there was no change occurring in us as people, us as our family unit, and how things continue to evolve. And so I think that's the part that is the disconnect. I mean, we can't stop change from happening. And so therefore, things have to adapt to all of us. I see that most clearly when I think about being in a marriage for a long time or being in a relationship with the same partner for 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, each individual changes. And so as a result of that, I think, you know, at one time or another, each partner wants the person to be who they married or who they started, fell in love with. And as time goes on, whether it's our physical bodies, whether it's our emotional health, whether it's our individual development and growth. I mean, these things change and sort of what is expected is that our partner is going to continue growing with us. And not everybody grows at the same rate, of course. And so there creates that angst of, well, why are you changing or why are you not keeping up with me? And both partners are correct in that assessment. But the reality is, is that 
no one said we were going to stay exactly the same and we were going to be in this like time capsule the day we got married for the next upteen years. And so I think that's the fallacy of that kind of an understanding. But I believe that that's what we all expect the day we get married. We think that these are the people that we married and this person is going to be exactly this way and everything I fell in love with this person is going to be here in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And that may or may not be the the, the case. And we have to remember that it's, you know, that person is still in there. They've just evolved and developed and so have we. And we're not the same person that our partner um, committed to either. And so how do we give a little bit of space for your partner as well as taking the space you need for yourself? So this is definitely one that I think that, you know, anybody who's been in a relationship um, can say, I think marriage changes your family of origin traditions. I've seen that. And and clearly, as you identified, I can also say in the future, when your parents pass away, then that also is a huge loss. And then those traditions are, you know, have to be fondly remembered and kept alive in your family unit if that's what you choose to do. But it is really hard to let go of the traditions. But the only way that we can remember our parents and our traditions from when we were kids are to introduce them now as an extension of our parents into our family lives. And so I think there's a way to honor them, but it doesn't mean that change isn't going to happen, whether you want it or not, just because, you know, our parents do have a finite time that they're with us. And so it is definitely a tough phase you're going through right now, Alyssa. I remember that time and it was very painful because your parents are the ones who are fighting that change as well. You know, we're forced to do it for reasons because, say, for example, you've got four kids now, whereas your parents are like, they're going to make the room for you, right? They're okay with the chaos. They're okay with that until it actually happens. And then everybody gets frustrated and stressed out. So I think it's the right thing to do and to, you know, and maybe calm your parents down to let them know this doesn't, it is a change, but it should be easier in the long run for everybody. Do you have anything more you want to say about that? Or should we move to number three? I think the only thing I was going to say is that it it's a really hard thing to let go. But I think once you've kind of made peace with it, like that's kind of where I'm at. And like having our own hotel room for Christmas was a godsend because my daughter got sick. Um, I don't remember if we talked about that on the podcast or not, but uh, she got a stomach virus. And so we were able to like go and, you know, kind of quarantine, if you will, um, for a little bit. And so I think that I was like, OK, this this was meant to be, this was, you know, to have our own space. It's different, but it's also, it was beneficial for all parties. And so I think that there's also this thing of like, okay, I accept that things are changing. I accept that this is like the new, the new, new, um, but also that it can bring with it, um, you know, other possibilities and things like that. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so number three is old mistakes and errors or errors in judgment. And I think this is really about forgiving yourself for missteps or mistakes or learning, you know, opportunities uh, because of something you did that didn't go the way you thought or examined. And I think that this is another really difficult thing for me personally to do. I think that you can, um, you know, many of us... Um, have self-doubt. People bring that out in us, maybe our family relationships, our friendships, maybe sometimes our partners. And if people can't let you let go of your old mistakes and you yourself can't forgive yourself for that mistake, you can get stuck 
in a place that's really unhealthy and that will cover your future decisions because you haven't let go of this one thing. And something that could have been very small over time grows in your imagination. And the mistakes that happen as a result of that small mistake can be actually much greater in impact and implication. So I think that it's really important for people and our listeners to hear that, you know, it is time to let go of something that has happened that is haunting you because nothing good at this point can come of that. Anything that you might have learned and changed and transformed should have already happened um, in the past. And now you're the living proof that you've outgrown that experience, that mistake. But if you're still hanging on to something, you know, this is Alyssa and I giving you permission to keep it in the rear view and to move forward. What do you think about that, Alyssa? Yeah, this one, I, I mean, I think that I, I don't know that I'd come across it personally, but I definitely know, um, you know, in my circles, there's a lot of discussion about like mom guilt and things like that, where, you know, people just, and a lot of times, like we have this double standard where we, like, if we make one mistake, we feel like we're a horrible person. But if somebody else makes a mistake, you're like, oh, well, that was just a mishap. You know, they, you know, it, it was something that isn't a quality of theirs. It's an action. And so we so much and so often hold ourselves to that double standard of I, I have to do everything perfect or I have to do everything a certain way. And if I don't, then I'm falling short. Um, and so I think that that's, that's what I'm kind of hearing through that. And I think that that's something that we really can let go of and be able to say, like, no matter what, like, I'm, you know, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have issues or things that, you know, bring us shame. But um, at the end of the day, we have to really just kind of push through and, and be able to give ourselves grace. Like, that's a, that is something I do on a daily basis is just give myself some grace. Like there's not much that we can do with this um, and go from there. And I do think that you bring up a very, very important point, And I want to highlight it is how we talk to ourselves versus that we talk to our friends. And um, when you said that, boy, does that resonate with me? Because I think that you're absolutely right. We, we make it less burdensome for our friends because we do focus on the action. But when we think of what we've done, if it's exactly the same thing, we attack our own character, but we would never attack our friend's character. Um, and I think, boy, Alyssa, there's just so much there with that, that I really appreciate you bringing that up. Because if we did treat ourselves like our best friend, we would be a lot kinder to ourselves, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we would be. We would. Maybe that's the way we need to uh, put that filter on is when we're being judgmental. Think about what we would say to our best friend, um, because that would really soften the blow a little bit instead of being. And we wouldn't harp on it quite as much as we do on ourselves. Um, uh, and we probably If we gave ourselves some grace or we said like, OK, this doesn't define me. This is just like I had a, a bad day. I was reading in a book that I said, like, you're not a bad parent. You're just struggling. And again, I mean, that's the phase of life that I'm in. But I was like, oh, like I love that. There was like there are no bad parents. And they're like, well, of course, like some parents make really bad choices. But again, like you're not a bad parent. You're just struggling in that moment. And so that's like such a different mind shift. And I think that that's something that we need to give ourselves that grace and be able to say, like, we're, we're going to be OK. Yeah. 
And I think that uh, some of that goes into number four, which I know you spoke about at the beginning of this, which is the need to control everything. And so um, I think that this one is also pretty self-explanatory in terms of, you know, what what we struggle with, because I think in our minds, we think that if we could control the world, we could control our children, if we could control control our job, our partners, our car, you know, traffic, um, things would go so much smoother than they do left to nature's devices. So I'm going to let you pick up on this because I know this is something that um, you speak about often. Yeah, I mean, I'm a control freak. So <laughs> like, this is my, this is my thing. Uh, but I think that, you know, my, my husband always says, God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. And it, it kind of makes me chuckle every time he says it, because I mean, somehow I was blessed with four children and I cannot control them at, in the way that I want to. I mean, they're not like running rampant through the neighborhood, but you know what I mean? Like they're not, they have their own personalities and they have their own like things that make them tick. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like trying to keep it like so regimented and I've kind of just eat with each child, let a little bit more go uh, because I realized that that's just gonna, I mean, I'm gonna burn out to the point where I just can't um, really function. So for me, it's about letting go of that each time and be like, okay, you know, pick my battles. This isn't gonna go perfect. I, I have a really hard time with being on time. Uh, uh, no pun intended. Um, so I, I, want to always be early but getting all of us in the car and on our way to church or to an appointment or wherever like it's just one of those things where I try my best but I just decided like if we're late it isn't the end of the world it is okay I very rarely am late even in light of that but I have also realized that like rushing my children and being like come on guys and screaming and stuff like that like that's not helpful so I need to kind of let go of like certain things that, um, you know, in years past, I would just hold, uh, tightly hold on to. Um, so I, I think those are, I don't know if those are the best examples, but those are the ones that came to mind right away. But overly for me is just letting go of things and just kind of, you know, taking a deep breath and trying to be able to say like, whatever happens, happens. If as long as everybody is healthy and happy at the end of the day, like it's okay, even if it wasn't exactly how I thought it was going to be. And I think one of the hardest things, I think, even for ourselves or when it comes to parenting is letting the beauty shine through of of lack of control. And I think that's a hard and I'm probably not articulating it well, but I just think about like when we try to control our kids, I don't think it's control. I think it's 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 more about like a what we think in our minds is more like a beautiful choreographed dance, right? Like everything just works so beautifully. And I think we assume that within that dance, each individual child's personality and strengths and love um, and individual beauty comes out of that. But I think that if you, not you, Alyssa, but if us as parents, we try to and even do for ourselves, you know, try to create such a structured uh, regimen for ourselves, our partner, our, our lives, our children, whatever, there's a natural occurring beauty that disappears from that. I almost feel like it's like trying to, um, you know, using the metaphor of like the glaciers and how the earth's surface was created, right? I mean, it takes a long time for a glacier to move and melt, but look at all the beauty that was created and 
how some areas are completely flat and some are mountainous. And I just sort of feel like that is the push-pull between control and natural sort of movement. And and I do feel like in the hundredth degree that that metaphor can work. And it's really difficult because, you know, if I was in charge of the glaciers, I want them moving faster. I would want everything done faster. And so it's really hard to pace yourself and have the patience and not create a sense of anxiety and instill that anxiety in ourselves, in our children, um, in, in a relationship, because that's what happens when you try to put a square peg into a round circle. And I think that's the thing that always kept me sort of focused was letting, like, just reminding myself that, you know, my child and my relationship and my ability to nurture this child is more important to me than getting to this place at this time, even though it is stressing me out. Like, I don't want my child to think that she's bad or wrong because I we got to get going. We don't have time for you to tie my shoe, or I know you want to zip up your own coat, and that's a great skill, but we don't have time for that today because you know what? That time will never be available until you try to show them they can accomplish it. So it's such a difficult thing as a parent and as a working mom to be able to get all these things done so that everybody gets to where they need to go where they need when they need to do it. And so I do think that, as we said, Alyssa, we're only going to get to the top five today. Um, and uh, so the last one we're going to cover today is fantasies of a perfect path. Um, so sort of a linear spot from A to B. Uh, I think this is an interesting and sort of a funny one to me. But uh, what do you think about what does that bring up in your mind when I say fantasies of a perfect path? I'm <laughs> like, um, okay, fantasies of a perfect okay i had to like process that one because it didn't come right quite like the other four yeah well, and it's um, not a test i think it talks about like you know mainly what they talk about is waiting for the perfect path that's perfectly defined to show up before we take our first step and versus you know that that whole idea yeah okay so i i mean i think the thing that came to mind right away was like the idea again so i'm gonna go back to decluttering for a minute but that was like you know, as I look around my house, I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's just so much here, uh, you know, and the perfect path would be for me to just be able to declare it all at once. And, uh, you know, real the reality is you got to take baby steps. And that was really hard for me to take the first step. Like, oh, what is this one drawer going to do? Uh, but it's amazing what, you know, one drawer or one space does um, in the long term. So it's like a long game. And I think that's really hard for me, but I think, so that's like one example, but the other thing that comes to mind is the ability to, um, like, you, you know, like career-wise, like just taking a leap and jumping into something, even if it's not like, maybe it's a stepping stone versus like your dream job. Um, I, I think that that's definitely resonates with me too, because sometimes I'm trying, I mean, I think in the past and now I'm kind of settled, but in the past, it was like, no, this isn't the right, you know, fit for me. But sometimes those are stepping stones that you're not, you're not, you can't see the big picture until later on. Yeah, I think that uh, the a career is probably the most straightforward thing for me to think about. You know, like when I first graduated from um, my my MSW, I thought, oh, in 20 years from now, I'm going to have a private practice and um, I'm going to have a shingle on the door with my name on it. And in order to get there, I need to do this, this and this first. And then 
halfway to that point, I realized that was no longer the dream. And I had to now do something different. And I've taken a very like backwards and forwards, one step forward, two steps back kind of an approach in my career because I've gone in lots of different directions. Um, and so definitely it has been far from linear. Um, and the other thing I think about in this is whenever I've been, um, I, I one time in my career, I used to do a lot of program development. And so I would write groups and I would write curriculums and things like that. And it was really hard because anybody who's tried to write anything like that you think you have this great idea and it's all just going to bubble out of you. I'm sure a lot of writers feel the same way. Like all of a sudden you're just going to like write, you know, 300 pages all at one time. And it never happened like that for me. I may have a kernel of an idea, but then really I would have to, I think what somebody said in one of my past conversations, chunk it out. Whether, you know, for me personally, I have to come up with a title and the title then lends itself to what the sections are going to be and what that is going to then you know, involved within each segment of whatever I'm developing. But without a title, like I can't get anywhere uh, because the, the title like encapsulates what my what my product is going to be or what it's going to be about. And so if I waited for the whole thing to pour out of me, I would have never written a single sentence or a single course. And so I find that to be that's my best example of that, because it is um, the whole thing in one long big project like you were talking about um, is almost too much to commit your time to or, you know, you're never going to have that much time. And I think that's where the certification for project management came from, right? Project management is that concept in an actualized kind of way of, okay, you got to break it down into steps and you got to come up with timelines and you got to come up with a plan and you have to have accountability to make those, you know, benchmarks at the certain timeframes that you put out on paper. So I don't know, maybe you have to uh, have a project plan for your decluttering. I'm not sure, but uh, there's all sorts of ways to keep yourself moving on that, uh, on that kind of continuum. So I really think, given the amount of time we were trying to strive for, for each podcast being about 30 minutes, that covers our first five of this um, series of two. Uh, any final thoughts, Alyssa, before we uh, sign off for this first por portion? I think that the, you know, again, these are like hitting in a lot of different places. And I think for us, um, you know, we're trying to globalize it to a lot of different people, but I think that it's it's a lot of food for thoughts. And, and so I look forward to speaking on the, the Lander five. Um, but, you know, I think this is a good start of like, what kind of things are you holding on to? What kind of things will benefit you to let go of? Um, and, and I think it's, it's some soul searching that, you know, that you do. And again, I think that that's kind of just making evolving. And I, I think you had mentioned like, um, you know, we were, I don't know if you, you didn't use the word evolution, but I think that we're all kind of developing ourselves and going through these different phases and we're getting, getting there, um, in, in a number of different ways, but at the end of the day, we're trying to all better ourselves and these are great ways to start. So I think that's, that's what I was trying to get at. The one other thing I want to interject is that we did do in the beginning of the year, we did something about, you know, looking at your goals and, and checking in. And then you talked about at the beginning of this session, sort of the springtime and springtime is known as a time of renewal and um, the year and things are starting to come out of a freeze and more into 
like we're just having an awakening. And I do think that this does give us the opportunity to check into what goals we had set for ourselves in January. And now that we're approaching March, like really being able to let go of things that we didn't start, that we said we were going to start, and maybe looking at it with a fresh set of eyes and looking at, okay, what is realistic now that we're almost in March? What do I have to let go of that I said I was going to do? And what might be some more practical things to put into place? or, you know, adjust those goals a little bit so that maybe you will have success when we talk about this again in December. And so just sort of that continuation, because I do feel like this conversation lends itself to sort of looking back into January and saying, okay, you know, once again, assess where you are, review your plans and come up with some more realistic things, uh, which also feeds into this idea of letting go and not waiting too long and then beating yourself up in September, October that you didn't get a start on anything. Is that fair, you think, Alyssa? Yeah, and if you get to December, you're like, well, that didn't work. Like, there's always there's always tomorrow, you know? There, there's always, like, start again. Because um, I think that that, I mean, it kind of leans itself into some of the things we talked about, like letting go of, you know, expectations and things like that, but also giving ourselves grace. And so, you know, if you're sitting here, you're like, I didn't let go of any of this. And I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm carrying a lot of these burdens one foot in front of the other. That's, you know, baby steps. That's not a problem. I think that that's the best way to go. Um, making one change this week or this month uh, is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a huge difference a year from now. And so even if it's small increments and it's not getting you exactly where you want it to be and you're like, oh, six months later, I'm barely scratched the surface. I think that that's okay too, because we're all in different phases and whatever your phase is, like, that's that's where you're at. And so give yourself grace, put one foot front of the other and try your best. And the changes that you're starting, the habits that you're starting now are lifelong, hopefully, and will help you. Yep. With that, we're going to close this out and say thank you so much for being a part of our group here and listening to our podcast that we love to do every week. Um, the Deconstructed Woman is really for um, all women of different ages who want to create an environment and a community for us to share within ourselves and hopefully talk about topics that resonate with you. Uh, please reach out to us. We want to hear your feedback and uh, your comments. Keep them coming. And uh, you can do that through the Deconstructed Woman at gmail.com um, or the Facebook page uh, podcast community is also available. Thank you for those of you who have become subscribers. It really um, warms Alyssa Marie's in my heart when we see people who join us and in this community. So signing off for today, this is Joji and Alyssa Marie. Until next week, when we talk about six through 10 of what we need to let go. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Deconstructed Woman. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, rate this episode, or subscribe to be notified of all new content. We want to hear from you, our listener. Do you have thoughts on the discussions we're having? Want to share topic suggestions? Or want to join us for a topic that you're passionate about? Contact us at our email address, thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com. Thank you.